Welcome to episode 87 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About Secession, part one. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as secession, abortion, the state of the union, capitalism, or the United States at war comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean.com, and most recently, ThinkSpot. The video version of the podcast are available on YouTube, BitChute.com, and Brighteon.com. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The S-word has been coming up quite a bit lately. Most recently, we have seen counties in Virginia threatening to secede from the state after the Democratic Party took control of the state government. As you may recall, in only what can be described as a banner year, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam admitted to appearing in blackface as a college kid and of course received no condemnation from his fellow Democrats. Then later in the year, he explained how under his proposed partial birth abortion bill, a baby born alive after a botched abortion should be kept comfortable while it struggled for life and eventually died. Then his merry band of power-hungry fanatics in the state legislature proposed new draconian gun control laws. Rural counties in Virginia are being encouraged to secede and join West Virginia. West Virginia's Governor Jim Justice has publicly said that he would welcome those counties with open arms. Now, I've suggested on other podcasts that it is my belief that the only thing that can save America from itself as we continue to drive down the post-constitutional path towards bankruptcy, cultural rot, and suicide known as socialism, uh, excuse me, democratic socialism, is for the states to secede from the Union. It is the only alternative that even comes close to potentially solving the problem. So what is secession? Well, secession is the idea of breaking up political bodies into smaller pieces. It's the ability for people to have a better opportunity to influence the society in which they live. Jeff Dice from the Mises Institute explains secession as, quote, the ability for people to peaceably walk away from political arrangements that are not working, end quote. Aaron Gleason from the Abbeville Institute describes secession as, quote, a humane, progressive, and peaceful solution to political strife, end quote. Ryan Miller, writing for Fee.org, articulates secession as the severing of political ties of an entity or group that you no longer wish to be associated with, used by people no longer satisfied with the existing political order and wishing to go their separate ways. The term merely denotes the innocuous idea of people building a political and economic order that is more in line with their values. In the United States, it's the right of states to opt out of unconstitutional federal laws, regulations, and newly created rights, such as same-sex marriage and abortion. That's called nullification. Now, when we think about secession, the idea is, what's wrong if one group cannot get along with another and having them go their separate ways? You know, it's the old idea of irreconcilable differences. Is it better to stay in a bad marriage or cut ties and move forward? Why is, you do your thing, I'll do mine, considered crazy talk? Does it make you feel better that most, if not all, the Founding Fathers believed in the state's rights to secede? 
As history has proven, secession is more easily successful when the mother country is weakened by war, economic collapse, or internal strife. I suspect that if, or more likely when, the dollar eventually collapses, the United States will see a secession revolution, first by states like Texas and Florida, then we will see California likely split up into two or three separate states. People are tired of central authorities telling them what to do. They are tired of the Constitution being ignored, bastardized, and rewritten. They are tired of their culture being abused by the central authority that does not represent them. What if the U.S. had split up and become two nations, three, ten, over the last century? What would have been the ramifications? Would all of them gone to war a dozen times all over the planet? Racked up $20 trillion in national debt? Created bankrupt entitlement programs? Do you think it is appropriate for 330 million people to be ruled by 547, all of whom are either entrenched, career politicians, or lifetime appointees at the Supreme Court? Libertarians take secession to another level, beyond that of the state or country level, to that of the individual. Ludwig von Mises said, quote, The right of self-determination of which we speak is not the right of self-determination of nations, but rather the right of self-determination of inhabitants of every territory large enough to form an independent administrative unit. If it were in any way possible to grant this right of self-determination to every individual person, it would have been done, end quote. He went on to extol the virtues of secession, not only at the national or state level, but at the local level as well. All of it is good because it continues the decentralization process down to the individual level. Like Mises, Murray Rothbard contended that smaller, more decentralized government made it more likely that individuals would be able to live within a community that more closely reflected their individual preferences and needs. That is, secession is a tool to increase self-determination for both voluntary communities and individuals. So let's talk in practical terms about secession, past and present. First and foremost, how did the United States come into existence? Secession from Britain, of course. There are lots of current secession movements throughout the United States that get little or no mainstream media press. New Hampshire, Hawaii, Alaska, Vermont, California as a whole, known as CalExit, and there is also a movement for Northern California to secede from the state of California through the Greater Idaho Movement, which is pushing for rural counties of Oregon and Northern California to secede and become part of the state of Idaho. Like Virginia, both California and Oregon state governments are dominated by Democrats. Not mainstream Democrats, more like socialists. There is no place for Republicans in either state. There is no place for conservatives. They only have two choices, move to a more conservative state or attempt to redraw the state lines. Secession offers something for everyone, left and right, red and blue, liberal and conservative. What's wrong with splitting up right now? After all, we keep hearing how the country has never been so divided. Let's agree to split up and live and let live rather than to go through the angst over the Supreme Court, a liberal, conservative, a social democratic, or an orange man president, and a corrupt Congress. As I mentioned, the progressive California succession plan is called CalExit. Think about it. California is a federal donor state, which means the people of California pay more in federal taxes than they get back and they possess the fifth largest economy in the world. Do they really need to be part of the United States of America? They could stop funding the U.S. military and have enough money to pay for universal health care and higher education for all of its citizens and all of those illegal immigrants that they welcome with open arms. 
They could implement the Green New Deal to combat climate change, global warming, extreme weather, whatever they're calling it today. They can continue to combat homelessness by letting homeless live wherever they want. They can continue with hyper-regulations. They could issue their own worthless currency and bankrupt the state even quicker than they are now. They could rename the state the Woke State of California. But what about people on the other side of the political spectrum? What do they want to escape? Well, generally speaking, they want to end all the unconstitutional meddling by the federal government in the economy and in our culture. An unconstitutional central bank is bankrupting the country. Lawless federal regulations written by unelected bureaucrats are destroying the country. A country run by the deep state and behind-the-scenes lobbyists. We have a Supreme Court that makes up constitutional rights out of thin air and then uses that new right as precedent in another terrible opinion. These folks could end all unconstitutional entitlements and welfare programs, bring our troops home, and stop being the world's policemen, and stop calling every altercation a national security risk. Like I said, there's something for everyone in the secession movement. Outside the United States, secession movements include, most recently, Britain's secession from the European Union known as Brexit. Several years ago, Catalonia attempted to secede from Spain. In 1995, Quebec almost seceded from Canada. Think about the post-Soviet states, all seceded from the Soviet Union, which was rendered impotent after decades of economic decline. Besides the United States, secession from Britain included India, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Iceland seceded from Denmark in 1944. Norway and Sweden dissolved their union in 1905. The list goes on and on. So why is secession necessary, or, or why is it good? I'm going to lay out four reasons why secession is a worthy goal. The first two are decentralization and self-determination. Now, these two terms came up briefly a minute ago, but I want you to take note of them going forward. If, if you don't take anything else away from this episode, whenever you hear or read about secession, please remember these two words, decentralization and self-determination. The third reason is competition, and the fourth, which I will discuss in episode 88, is the idea that smaller is better. So let's go back and talk about decentralization and self-determination. Murray Rothbard called secession radical decentralization. What do you get from centralization? Well, you get fewer choices. You get fewer opportunity for experimentation. Decentralization means the opposite, more choices, more experimentation. Think about your average grocery store. How many types of toilet paper, deodorant, cereal, and beer is available to you? Now consider what a grocery store looked like in the Soviet Union, or Venezuela before it collapsed, or even Cuba today. Secession is about choosing your own path. It's one of the greatest bequeathments from the nation's founding fathers. If the Constitution had been followed, and the general government had remained limited in scope and power, Secession would be a non-issue because the Federalist system, where the states have most of the power and authority over social, cultural, and criminal matters, would have taken care of things. Does it make sense to have 200-plus people making decisions for $330 million? Maybe you can argue honestly, yes, it does. That's the constitutional or democratic republic system of government. Fair enough, but what about five judges? What about all the unelected bureaucrats? See how things have gotten out of hand? Why should we be stuck with one-size-fits-all? Abortion, guns, drugs, speed limit, the drinking age, the retirement age, the retirement program we're forced to contribute to. What about Obamacare and other socialized medicine, Medicare for all schemes? All of it means more centralized power and control. 
Why do progressives and liberals feel compelled to shove their agenda down our throats? Just leave us the hell alone. Think about the cap on the size of the House of Representatives. Per the Constitution, we were supposed to have one representative for every 30,000 citizens. Today, your average congressman represents 750,000 people. If we kept the same ratio today as the Constitution dictates, there would be over 10,000 members of Congress, not 435. Congress passed a law, I think in 1920, that capped the size of the House. If Congress was exponentially larger than it is now, do you think they'd be able to screw around like they do now with thousands of cats to herd? Obviously, 10,000 members is too large for a lawmaking body, which should tell you something. Maybe the U.S. needs to fragment into smaller nation states. Just a thought. It is an undeniable fact that the federal government is a failure. It has a 100% failure rate. Right, left, conservative, liberal, libertarians all agree. It's inefficient. It's full of fraud, full of repetition, and full of waste. Name the federal agency, name the federal program, and that applies. It's just the nature of the beast. It's too big to succeed. One of the other selling points about secession is how it creates competition among political units. And it keeps politicians honest because they know that if they screw around, their tax base can simply move from one jurisdiction that is oppressive, i.e. California or Illinois, to a less oppressive jurisdiction, i.e. South Carolina, Florida, or Texas. But what if the behemoth itself becomes oppressive or stupid with taxes, with the lives of our children in undeclared wars, with immoral and unconscionable levels of national debt? with bankrupt entitlement programs, with hundreds of unconstitutional federal agencies filled with 3 million federal bureaucrats making decisions over 330 million citizens, one with a surveillance state that would be the envy of every dictator who ever walked the face of the earth. What if that behemoth gets out of control? Where do you run to? Well, maybe running isn't the answer. Maybe the best answer is secession. Murray Rothbard put it this way, quote, secession is the breaking up of a state from within, it is a great good in itself. It means that a giant central state has been broken up into constituent parts. It means greater competition between governments of different geographic areas. End quote. Ryan McMakin, writing for Mises.org, put it this way. Quote, if minority groups find themselves perennially in the minority, what recourse do they have if borders are also permanently fixed? Some might suggest these people can move across state lines. But since state lines could be hundreds of miles away in a large state like Virginia, a forced move would likely require minority populations to disband their communities. End quote. So please note here, when you hear the words minority groups in this context, don't think about race or ethnicity. Think about America today. What divides us? It ain't race and ethnicity. It's, it's policy. It's culture. It's taxes. It's the envy of the wealthy. It's spending at the federal level. It's orange man. It's the composition of the Supreme Court, it's impeachment, it's, it's fake collusion, it's the culture war, it's fake news, it's the federal courts, all those things. Wherever you land on that list, political minority groups have the right to secede. Some argue that these disgruntled groups should trust the courts to protect them. Yeah, right. You are full of biblical proportions if you think you can trust the courts to do the right thing. The Supreme Court in particular, think Obamacare, gay marriage, creating the right to privacy, which in turn became the right to abortion. Think about segregation, Dred Scott, the internment of U.S. citizens of Japanese descent during World War II. Think about the Patriot Act, the existence of the FISA Court. 
broken treaties with Indian tribes, the entire New Deal agenda, the continued existence of the NSA surveillance state. That, by the way, is not a comprehensive list. Decentralization and secession limit the headbutting between large centralized jurisdictions because you're doing your thing over there and we're doing our thing over here. No one is forcing anyone to do anything they don't want, like taking people's guns, limiting welfare payments, restricting immigration, limiting or permitting abortion, spending deficits, being under a central bank's control, socialized medical schemes, bailouts for corporations or for college students, forcing companies to put women on their board of directors, forcing people to contribute to the welfare state. Why are we forcing people to do all this shit? Why can't the state just let people live their lives without all the cram-downs? Just think if secession were a regular topic of conversation in America. Do you think the federal government would feel secure enough to do half the shit they do? If the threat of losing millions of federal income taxpayers due to a state or two or three seceding from the union was real, we would be in much better shape economically, culturally, spiritually, you name it. The teeny country of Liechtenstein recognizes a right to secession right in its constitution. The Prince of Liechtenstein once said, quote, The fact that we have a right to secede in our constitution is a strong signal that the government can't simply do as it pleases, end quote. Amen, brother. Okay, so that should serve as a nice introduction to the concept of secession. We will pick it up right here in the next episode with the argument that smaller is better. Then we will walk through the reasons secession is justified, and we will rebut the arguments against the practice of secession. If you're looking for an easy-to-read reference guide to have on your desk or bookshelf that covers many of the topics tackled here on the TruthQuest podcast, grab a copy of my book, Critical Thinking, spelled with a P like Paul. The subtitle is The Lost Art of Critical Thinking and Common Sense in the Politics and Public Policy. In it, I tackle dozens of public policy issues, including government regulations, climate change, and entitlement spending. It's available at Amazon and anywhere books are sold. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for more information. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.